It's the bottom line on News Radio 610 KONA. From the Tri Cities to Olympia to DC, we break down the stories of the day and the people making the news. And that's the bottom line. Time to get the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City with your hosts, Rob Francis and Ed Dawson. The climate change presidential candidate has a few fossils in his closet, we'll explain. The SAT adding an adversity score to the test to help colleges make admissions determinations. And it's Friday, that means the donkey is shame struts his stuff. But first, give us your bottom line. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. It is the bottom line, News Radio 610 KONA, Friday afternoon. Rob Francis at Dawson here, 547-1610. If you'd like to get involved in the program, you can also do so via email at bottomline610. Shoot us an email with your name where you are listening, what you'd like to say. And on Twitter as well, at bottomline610. And, of course, we podcast as well at 610kona.com. You miss any part of the program, you can always hit the website and revisit anything you may have missed. So um, today is the end of filing day, Ed, the final day. There's about a little bit less than 90 minutes remaining for those candidates who wish to seek public office in the area, in the state, actually, to get their names in. Um, It has been a wild 24 hours. To say the least. Yeah. It's been a little quieter in Franklin County, specifically where Pasco is concerned. There's there's a couple of races with there's two races with challengers, one race without uh at this point in time. Um but looking at Pasco's council races and then looking at Richland and Kennewick's council races, and it has been a just names constantly being added uh, as the day has gone on. There's going to be a lot of names on the uh, on the primary ballot. There are for sure, and uh, you know we're going to talk a little bit about that as well as uh, an interesting situation that has also arisen. Um, we'll get to that in a second after we go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio six ten K O N A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? You're up. All right. Give us a call back, 547-1610. So we um, we received word late last night and uh, certainly wish to extend our condolences uh, to all those at the city of Kennewick for the passing of City Councilman Steve Young last night. Um, long battle uh, with, with illness. Um, Councilman Young lost that battle last night. And uh, a little bit later on, next hour, uh, Kennewick Mayor Don Britton will join us to talk a little bit about um, the former mayor, the man that he succeeded in that position, and uh, how much he meant to the city in his decade-plus of service on the city council. Um, But Councilman Young's passing has also raised an interesting situation with with filing week. And the thought was... We know what happens when 
an individual, an elected individual, elected officer, elected individual, passes during a term. They find someone to appoint to fill out the rest of that term. We've seen what has happened when an individual has, when the election season has begun, when filing week is over, when candidates are out there, be it the primary or the general election, and an individual running for office has passed away, well, that individual's name stays on the ballot. But filing week is a whole different situation because you have an entire week that's open for people to put their names in or withdraw their names. So we reached out to the Benton County Auditor's Office and checked the RCWs in the state of Washington, and there is nothing that specifically talks about this situation. So the county auditor's office is working with the secretary of state's office to determine exactly what do we do in a situation like this, where we have an individual who filed to run for office that passed away before filing week is over. What do we do here? And from what we've been told, the secretary of state's office doesn't have a a precedent setting case on this. And they're doing their diligence, and they may have an answer for us today. They may have an answer for us on Monday, which is the final day for anyone who has filed to run for office to remove their name from the primary ballot. Um, So right now, there are five people who have filed to run for Council Position 7 at large, which was the seat that was held by Councilman Young. Now, of course, the city will look to uh, appoint someone to finish out the rest of Councilman Young's term. Will it be someone who is, will, will someone who has filed be chosen? Will someone who has not filed be chosen to, to, to serve out the, the rest of that time? Only time will tell in that situation, but we could be looking at the setting of a new precedent in the state of Washington where elections are concerned. It's a complicated matter, obviously. Very layered. Um, you, you, One question that pops into my mind, could uh, a close relative or someone like that uh, remove Steve Young's name? Um, because... Think about the family in this case. Sure. Do you do you want Steve Young's name to show up on the ballot? Would that be a painful reminder of what happened? Uh, it, it seems, you know, and obviously no disrespect, but no, it, it seems, none at all. It, it seems like the 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 correct thing to do would be to remove his name. Uh, but but like you said. There, there is no guidance on this, and the, the, this, the Benton County Auditor may have to make a call that becomes precedent. The only guidance that exists that's anywhere remotely deals with a situation like this is if filing week is closed and all of the individuals, be it one, two, three, however many, are running for a position and either the candidate candidates pass or are disqualified in some way, shape, or form, then the position becomes 
voided. And then you have to go through a process of, over. of soliciting new people to run mm-hmm. for that position. But this isn't anything like that. There's four other individuals that have filed right. to run for that seat. So the other thing, too, that certainly has to be considered, and again, back to looking at the practicality of it, <clears throat> is if Councilman, Young, Councilman Young's name remains on the ballot into the primary and... And outpouring of people vote for Steve Young, and he advances to the general election. We have seen it happen in the past where people who have passed away have been elected to an office. And then it goes back to where you have to appoint someone to fill out the remainder of that term. So I would think that Benton County the city, anybody associated would want to avoid something like that as well, because then that just adds another level of complexity to the situation. Sure. Especially if, uh, you know, the, the body does not appoint, uh, you know, the, the second place person or maybe even somebody that wasn't even running. Exactly. You know, because then you get into the whole will of the people thing. And, <laughs> yeah, and you, you can't know. just say, OK, second place you win. That's because right. You didn't win. That's right. That's why, I, you know, as. And again, I don't want it to sound disrespectful, like, you know, we just need to forget about the guy as soon as we can. That's not what I'm saying. I think that the the prudent way to go would be to remove his name uh, so that. You know, we we let the other now four people uh, who have, you know, filed to run for that position, duke it out and see who who gets it. Yes, the the council can appoint somebody uh, from this point forward to to fill the vacancy. uh, But come election time, I just think it'd be it's it would make things so much more complicated Um both emotionally and really, you know, realistically, it, that to keep his his name on there. And again, uh, zero disrespect on this part. This yeah, is no, not. This, no, this not is not to you know erase the memory of. But this is this is a this is an election well, for a position. That, it is. And, you know. and one of the things that certainly has to be looked at and weighed by the auditor's office, as well as the secretary of state, is legally. Right. Because there are legal elements in here. And so as much as it may, there may be this, this feeling of, of want or anything else, there still is a legal aspect of this that they have to make sure they go through before they make any decision at all. So... Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 K1A. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, Darren from Kennewick. What's on your mind, Darren? I just think it's uh, unfortunate that we've come to this point in society where the obvious right or correct thing to do now becomes a legal issue. Um, I mean, obviously, the right thing to do would not have him on the ballot. Um, he can't be elected. So I just think that they're just over overthinking and too much well, and, in the way. And we appreciate your call, Darren, but in all reality, 
we're not. And the reason why we say that is it has happened in the past that individuals that have passed away have been elected. So you can't just turn around and take somebody's name off of the ballot because they're no longer here. There is law that that, that applies. In this situation, there isn't anything written in an RCW that specifically details what happens during filing week if that happens. Right. There's no guidance on the books, yeah. both locally or uh, presumably at the state level, too, uh, You know, for this kind of a situation. And, and, and Lord knows, Darren... We have had plenty of things and plenty of laws on the books that don't agree, that don't go along with what we believe may be the the moral or ethical right thing to do. Five four seven one six ten. Got to take a time out. This is the Bottom Line News Radio six ten K O N A. Now back to the Bottom Line on News Radio six ten K O N A. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City. It's your voice, your show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline 509-547-1610. Back at the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA, Friday afternoon. Robin Ed, 547-1610 if you want to get involved. It also leads into our poll question for today at Bottom Line 610. Candidate filing day ends in 67 minutes, roughly. But who's counting? But who's counting? The auditor's office. <laughs> well, That's who's counting. <laughs> well, they, they also are busy trying to figure out what to do. Yes, uh, in Benton a, County. With a certain yeah. race, specifically the uh, city council position number seven, the at-large position that... Uh, uh, was held by Steve Young until his passing yesterday after a battle with cancer. Uh, he had filed to uh, rerun uh, to try to re- retain that seat, Had uh, now has uh, four challengers. So mm-hmm. there's five names right now on there. Yeah. And the question that we're posing, and we did pose to the Benton County Auditor and the state uh, Secretary of State's office, is... Can the auditor's office remove Steve Young's name or does he have to stay on the ballot because it's it's in that very gray area that he passes towards the end of, but certainly well within the filing week period. If obviously it had been before filing week, then the city council just appoints somebody to fill the remainder of his position right. or of, of his term. If it's after filing period, then tradition shows us in many locations around the country that his name stays on the ballot and then any number of things happen. If he garners enough support, then he could win re-election and then somebody, you know, the council would have to appoint somebody to obviously fill the position that he wins. But... It's kind of unprecedented for somebody to pass having already filed to run, but the filing week period is not over. So that's that's where we're at with this. And again, no disrespect. Uh, You know, we we've sent our condolences to the to the family and to the uh, the city of Kennewick. And and we'll hear from Mayor Don Britton uh, next hour. Uh, to talk about uh, the man who preceded him 
as mayor of Kennewick. But it seems like the logical thing to do would be to remove his name. Now, if it is challenged, then the auditor's office is going to need to have something to back up that decision if in case it is challenged. So that's kind of what they're going through right now. Yes, logic, uh, lo- lo- the... logic and legal don't always no. balance. They don't always mesh together. No. Uh, and so that's the one thing. And, and you know, credit to uh, Brenda Chilton, the Benton County Auditor, and her office. They didn't come out with a... Um, quick reply or a quick response no something to try and satisfy they're doing their diligence mm-hmm. the the deputy prosecutor at benton county is researching uh they're working with the yeah. secretary of state's office because there's nothing in state law that, that, that deals with For this. this particular situation yes and the secretary of state's office there are people that have been in that office for a very long period of time and they can't recall a case like this particularly. So again, this could be a precedent setting situation for elections in Washington State. You're up on the bottom line, News Radio 610 K1A. Your name, where are you calling from? Jared and Kennewick. What's on your mind, Jared? Hey, um, so I like your comments about how logic and law doesn't necessarily align, but I would honestly think that um, it's, and it would almost be like ripping off a band aid a little too early because. You know, you've got 63 minutes until everything closes, but he just, nobody's had any time to let the dust settle. He just passed away last night. So it's kind of like, why even bring it up right now, aside from, you know, maybe putting on the ballot at the time of election that he is deceased? Because here's the thing, you can't. No. I mean that that you you, you can't make any alterations no. or distinctions Mm-mm. because then what that That's would be, fair. Jared, that'd be influencing an election, yeah. and you can't do that. And here's the thing: this is the other part of this. The process doesn't have time to stop. No, the, the process can't take a day off. And that's no. why that's why they are running around like crazy. At the at the county auditor's office and doing their diligence and trying to figure out because they can't take today off to grieve. They can't to take today off to allow, you know, for for, uh, you know, for for memorials or anything like that. Right. They they have to find out what to do in this situation because it there's there's nothing there for them to go on as a guide. If he passes on Monday, you know, shortly after filing. Then you know you have a few days to digest and right. and and do that, but there there really isn't uh, in this case anyway to digest. There's a lot of other races. Oh going yes, on there that are. We're going to dive into after uh, we take a timeout. Get you some local news as well. Um, we've kind of focused on this one for obvious reasons, but uh, there you know what. There are a lot of people running for three positions on the Kennewick City Council alone. Yep. We haven't even gotten to the other. And you got you know, a bunch in Richland as well. You got a bunch I mean, in it's... Richland. You've got a handful in Pasco. You've got quite a, and I'm not surprised, we'll get into this in just a few minutes. You've got a lot of interest in uh, in in school board elections uh, for a change. And we'll leave, <laughs> we'll leave you with this thought. 
It's our poll question for today. What matters most to you when voting in a local race, whether it is a partisan or nonpartisan race? Think about that. Let us know. 547-1610. More bottom line after this. Can't get in by phone? Give us your bottom line through email. Send your thoughts from the bottom lines page at 610kona.com. Back to the bottom line. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610-KONA. You can also email the show. Just go to the website, 610-KONA. And uh, go to the bottom line page, fill out the form, send us your question or your comment. This is the bottom line, News Radio 610-KONA at Dawson, Rob Francis, and you. If you'd like to give us a call, 547-1610, talking about um, the candidates that are filing for positions uh, around the area, uh, focusing mostly on Benton and Franklin County, um, certainly with the news of the passing of Steve Young last night. After a battle with cancer, uh, throws things uh, for that particular race into a bit of a quandary uh, as there is no precedent set up to remove his name uh, or keep it on. There is nothing in statute that uh, that is helping to guide uh, Benton County auditors, and uh, they're working with the uh, the state the Secretary of State's office to try to figure that out. Um, there's also a number of other races, Robin, since we were talking about Kennewick, there are actually three positions yes. uh, that are that are up. Uh, the one uh, formerly held by Steve Young, in which there are now four other candidates, um, Lindy Verhey, Radona uh, Liz Devereaux, uh, James Milbauer, and Vic Epperly. Uh, but there's other, there's two other spots also. One, uh, Paul Parrish's seat, who he decided not to run again. Yes. And that's kind of a free-for-all. There are now six candidates there. And Chuck Torelli's position, he was appointed after... Uh, after uh, it was earlier um, when Matt fought, Banky, yeah, when Matt Bank, right, yes. when Matt Banky won a spot, he went. Matt Banky went from the city council to the uh, the uh, state, state house, state legislature. Yeah, so they had to fill his uh, spot for the remainder of his term. Chuck Torelli got that, and now Chuck Torelli has uh, decided that he wants to keep that position, but he has two challengers there. So. <laughs> I, you know, there are a lot of people that want to sit on the Kennewick City Council. There are. And, and if you take a look at the Richland City Council as well, and the fact we may as well, I mean, you, we ran them down for position seven. Uh, Councilman Torelli's seat is position five at large. Uh, Cheris Warner and Brandon Pocasangre have filed for that position. So there's three running in position five. Uh, with less than 60 minutes to go. I could change it any time. In fact, let me refresh the page just to be safe. <laughs> um, council position six, which is the seat that is currently held by Paul Parrish, Brad Bochamp, Jordan Nichols, Rich Bilskis, David Spaulding, Ed Pacheco, and Brian Griffin have all filed to run for that seat. Uh, over in the city of Richland, there are a number of challengers as well. Uh, council position one, which is held currently by Bob Thompson, uh, he has filed to run for re-election. 
Kalen Finn, Wendy Warner, and Lillian Randy Slovic have filed to run against Bob Thompson. Uh, Council position two, currently held by Brad Anderson, has a pair of challengers, Larry Stanley and Shira Gev. Council position five, which is currently held by Phil Lemley, he is filed to run for re-election. And I should mention that uh, Brad Anderson filed to run for re-election as well. Mike Luzo, Lisa Thomas, and Kurt Meyer, or Mayer, uh, have filed to run for that seat. And in council position six, uh, the incumbent, Terry Christensen, has filed to run, and Kyle Palmer has filed to run against uh, Councilman Christensen. So all four positions, the incumbent has uh, filed to run again, and in every spot uh, there are at least two other challengers except for uh, Terry Christensen. It's just him and and Kyle Palmer. But a lot of people want to be on the Richland City Council as well. And we may as well run down Pasco City Council races as well. Uh, Not quite as many have dove in to... The Pasco City Council races, uh, in fact, in District 2, Ruben Alvarado is running unopposed as of this time. Mm-hmm. Uh, in District 5, David Milne, has, who is the uh, incumbent, is running against Isaac Myram. And the seat, the only at-large seat in the city of Pasco, which was held by Mayor Matt Watkins, who decided not to run for re-election, has <clears throat> three individuals running, Zara Roach. Patrick Guttner and Abel Campos are all seeking that at-large seat in position seven. So those are the Pasco City Council races. Just uh, kind of before we go any further, kind of, again, you know me, I like to step back and kind of look at things globally a little bit. That's a lot of people for for the three city council race, uh, three cities that have uh, multiple seats. We thought two years ago we were seeing an unprecedented number of people. Yeah. But there was really only one race a couple years ago that had a lot of people in it, and that was the seat that Bob Parks gave up. That's right. And there were six people that ran for that, but there weren't five people running for another council race at that time. And, no. You know, I mean, we saw a little bit more interest in the Richland City Council races, but, I mean, again, you've got two city council races in Richland that have four people running, one with three people, Kennewick, six, five, and three. I mean, we are seeing more and more interest in local races People are beginning to understand how important they are. Well, that's my question. Is it that? Is it? Are we? Are we seeing kind of a move towards uh, more engagement on the on at the local political level? Which would be great if it was kind of organic like that. But let's think about it too. Um, in certainly Kennewick. Uh, to some degree, Richland, and not so much Pasco. Maybe that's why there's not as much interest. There have been some issues. There's been a little bit of drama in those cities that uh, that's got people stirred up. Obviously, the needle exchange issue in Kennewick, uh, in Richland. There's there's been some issues as well as far as different projects go. Um, so. I, I just I'm wondering. I, you could be right. I, you know, there could be some organic uh, groundswell of interest to run for local office, but usually, and and thinking about you know, with the exception of 
the Matt Watkins seat in Pasco and the uh, Paul Parrish seat in Kennewick, incumbents are running in all these, and there's a lot of people wanting to knock off the incumbent. Mm -hmm. And that tells me that people don't like what's going on right now, so they want to make a change. You know, and I think it's interesting because, uh, you know, our poll question is what matters most to you in voting in a local race, whether it's partisan or nonpartisan. And we listed a couple of examples of races, city council, uh, county commissioner, school board. The races that we're talking about right now, city council, school board, are supposedly nonpartisan races. But let's be honest. There is ideology at play here. Oh, sure. Because people want to see their city run a certain way, and they'd like it to be run according to a certain base of principles. Um, you can do your diligence and your research on the candidates that are running, and you can see and determine their ideologies. Um you can get how they lean based on the things that they talk about that are important to them. And, you know, when, it, when, when you get into that element, you begin to see the boxing in local elections that we have seen take place at the state and the national level. And when I say boxing, I mean trying to frame the makeup of the councils or boards to go in a certain manner. Now, when you run for county commissioner, you run with a party affiliation. There's no, well, I shouldn't say there's no hiding your ideology, but it's a lot harder to hide your ideology when you have a letter after your name. Um, when it comes to a council race or a school board race, that is less apparent unless you have run for a position before. For example, um, for Richland School Board, okay, position, let me get back to the Benton County page. Um, for Richland School Board position, I believe it's four. Yeah, director yeah, four. There's four people. Okay. Jay Clough has filed to run for that position. Well, a few years ago, Jay Clough filed to run against Doc Hastings. So you know where Jay Clough lands ideologically if you remember when he ran against Doc Hastings. So some people that have been in the political landscape for quite some time, even though they're running for a nonpartisan office, you know where they, you, you know where they sit ideologically. Others, if that's your main determining drive, you're going to do your research. You're going to find out. You're going to figure it out. And you're going to vote for who you sets uh, sets aligns more with your um, with your base set with who you want to vote for. When you get this many people running, you're now trying to box things. In other words, look, people are out there recruiting people to run. Okay, we know that. People are out there trying to get people to run because they want more of their ideology represented than the other side. 
So when you have six people and five people running, you know that there are either people that are sitting or people that are act that are actively behind the scenes trying to get individuals to run for office that they believe are going to position best so that they can either change or strengthen the position on that particular council or board. I I think that's a part of it. Uh but again, I, I look at I look at the why, and in looking at the Richland School District, and, and frankly the Kennewick School District too, uh, where there are what eight different candidates running for three spots on the Kennewick School Board, the Richland School Board had a very uh, widely publicized um, issue having to do with their budget uh-huh. and whether or not they were going to have to cut staff and and there was questions about special education cuts and this, that, and the other. And I think that there was some motivation there by people in Richland who want to, again, change the way things are done right now. Same in Kennewick. Uh, there's been some some questions about the budget and staffing and the way uh, things have been handled. So I think it's it's both. Again, big picture, I think that the current situation, you got to look at each current situation to get a better idea of what might motivate people to run. I'll be honest with you. For me, for school board, my biggest question is, who wants to raise my property taxes? Because now that the levy lid bill has been signed by the governor, that's what I want to know more than anything. Are you going to jack my property taxes back up again when it comes to to levy time? More of the bottom line after this. Join the show. Call the LegendsCasino.com hotline, 509-547-1610. Back to the bottom line with Robin Ed. Presented by McCary Meats in Basin City on News Radio 610, KONA. Well, add another list. Add another uh, name to the list. Yeah, before we as move, we speak. before we move over to the school boards, uh, just announced or just filed for position seven, the at-large seat in Kennewick. Russell Del Gesso has added his name to the list. So six in that race. Now, of course, six in council position six. Well, and again with position seven, one of those six is Steve, Steve Young. Yes, which we've talked about. Let's go to the. Phones, you're up on the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hello, Ed and Rob. This is Daniel Kennewick. And what, what's Rob, on your mind? Hi. The last uh, uh, going away from break there in that last segment, ding, 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 the property tax. Um, if you look at that, most of the breakdown on that is the schools. And as your Post you have a Mars Larson brings up often about the product that these schools are producing is not very good. So um, the cost for these levies and everything it's it's getting really harsh on, for instance, my budget on property tax. Thanks for the thanks for the call, Daniel. We appreciate it. And see that's that's really. 
I think for a lot of people right now, considering post-McCleary fix and what happened with all that McCleary money mm-hmm. and how it was dispersed, that's front and center in a lot of people's minds right now. The fact that the Democrats in Olympia turned around and lifted that levy cap, which was supposed to be there to protect the taxpayer, the property owner, against having levies increased and that money used for operational costs, which it is illegal for that to be done, and they were doing it illegally for years, and then finally they come up with the McCleary fix, they cap the property tax levies so that property tax owners can get a little bit of a break. Well, now they lift that lid, and so if you're listening to the program and you're running for school board, you better be prepared to answer that question, because if you come into this studio, you're going to get it. And you better be prepared, be honest with the people that are listening in our audience about what your intentions are when it comes to raising the levy lids in each of these school districts. And if you lie to the people, oh, boy. Well, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> five, four, oh, seven, boy. Five, four, seven, one, six, ten is the number. And again, uh, just because the the legislature allowed school districts to ask for more money doesn't mean that they have to. That's now, correct. Now, could that mean layoffs? It could. It could. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully well, through attrition that they'll be able to take care of it. Let's go to the phones. You're up on the bottom line. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Oh, Sparky again from Umatilla. So, Hi, Sparky. Hey, uh, about 60% of the property taxes, I believe, goes to the schools. And the property taxes down here are killing us. Um, you know, the 14th Amendment says life, liberty, and property. It's the Bill of Rights that says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The government owns all the property, and we're renting from the government. So that's all i got to say. Thanks for the call, Sparky. Appreciate it. I'll uh, I'll sit there in my government-rented home and consider it mine until <laughs> until the time comes that I can't anymore. But uh, I appreciate the call, but the, at the same point in time, um, then we get to this point of, you know, we, we've had this discussion once before about are we being taxed without proper representation? And, of course, the bounce back is, will you elect these people? Well, I don't elect all of them. I only elect a couple of them. Yeah. And so we're we're now getting back to this point again where, and I want to equate it. Remember the guy who ran the company over in Seattle, the startup company? He was a tech company. He was doing great. He was doing so great, he decided he was going to pay every single one of his employees $75,000 a year. Oh, right. Okay. I equate that with what's happening with the McCleary situation. Mm-hmm. All right. All that money was allotted. They decided to go in. The teachers' unions leveraged as much, just about all that money from the school districts so that they could increase salaries. Well, when this guy with the startup company paid everybody $75,000, he found out real fast what happened. People quit on him because they were ticked off. People that didn't do nearly as much got paid the same amount of money. Oh, and now he lives in his mom's basement because he lost the company because he couldn't afford to pay everybody the same rate. If there's jobs lost because there was a cash grab, well, guess what? You shouldn't have been so greedy. True. But it does take two to tango. Sure. Uh, you know, the, the school district chose to still go down that road. And I'm not saying that the teachers union wasn't involved, that both sides created this problem. Both sides are complicit. You're absolutely right. At the same time, I'm not paying for it.
No. I'm and, done paying for it. And and it's too bad that the actual teachers who don't really have a whole lot of say, actually, no, I the hear teachers you. union, those are the people that are going to be left out on the streets, so to speak, uh, if those cuts come. Hour number one is in the books. Hour number two is on the way. This is the bottom line. News Radio 610 KONA.